0: All human thought, all science, all religion is the holding of a camera, Is it for the ours? Are we human because we gaze together, at the stars? To or do we gaze at the lost When the stars were right, right back, they could plunge the from world, world, world to world the sky. But when the, the stars were wrong, the they could not live. But although they no longer lived, they would never really
1: Hello and welcome back, listeners, to the conclusion of this solo adventure. Please stick around at the end for some fun, banter and chit-chat.
0: You now stand amid the dim, dank fog. You note the last of the sun's rays illuminating the mist above you, but your vision is largely obscured by both the haze and the growing darkness. Given your recent escape, it would not be wise to linger here. You weigh your options. You could address the problem head-on by returning to the Harris House to look for clues. You might also consider returning to the hotel to gather your thoughts, or you could simply put this all behind you and skip town.
1: Honestly, I feel like at this point she would skip
0: town. As in most Call of Duty scenarios, right? This is the moment when any sane person would be like, not my job. Because
1: I haven't done anything. (laughs) Like, I have have no idea what's happening. I came here to pick up some belongings, and everyone's trying to just put me in jail. Yeah, you've been framed
0: for absolute nonsense. Um... It's too late and too foggy for the ferry to be operational, in case this sways you, but you do know that there are smaller side roads that wind around the lake. You would have to make the journey on foot and in the dark, but an unpleasant option is still an option. So it could be a super long foggy trek in the dark on unknown roads, or you could go back to your hotel, or you could go and actually commit the crime you were framed for.
1: Might as well, right?
0: Even out the scales of justice.
1: Yeah, and then we can play it again so that I can realize where I went wrong.
0: I'd like it if it just loops. You break in, Officer Powell kicks in the door. <laughs> right. like, Stop! You're on arrest. Okay, so you head back to the Harris house. I
1: mean, there's nothing left for me here.
0: <laughs> My life is in shambles. May as well ruin it. Further. I can
1: do this again if needed. I have forty four for luck. That's enough for one word, escape.
0: Okay. You make your way through the foggy streets of Esbury, heading once more to the Harris House. As your feet hit the road's flagstones, you hear the sound of your footsteps reflected back by the walls of the buildings all around you. Otherwise, all remains quiet and sleepy. The light is very dim and growing darker by the second. By the time you find yourself once more at Amelia Harris's home, night has fallen. As you approach the building, you freeze dead in your tracks as a woman in a red dress passes mere feet from you. <gasps> Amelia Harris. She doesn't seem to notice you, in part because of the fog, but also because she looks lost in thought. You watch her move hurriedly through the mist and enter the nearby church. You could choose to enter the Harris house and search the premises, or you could pursue Amelia for questioning.
1: Mm, why am I here again?
0: <laughs> uh, I believe you were supposed to pick up the late Professor Harris's work for the university.
1: That's so strange. Yeah. I did, like, I was completely legal. I didn't even, I guess, you know what? I'm just going to go and pick up the work and just leave.
0: Okay, to break in, grab yeah, any handy I, manuscripts. Yeah, I,
1: you know, I lockpicked before I can do it again.
0: I have no doubt you will be given the option of a clean getaway and a job well done. Damn it. With no immediate threat to yourself, you are free to explore the Harris's home, <laughs> though you do so quickly in case someone comes looking. Glancing about the sitting room you're in, you find it's in a bit of a mess from the earlier scuffle.
1: What, what earlier scuffle? When the
0: you came quietly there. I did. I guess he just like kicked over some furniture <laughs> <laughs> in Grabbing his rage.
1: Pulled me about Run, Modigian, run!
0: Uh, that probably really confuses anybody who knows their Lovecraftian lore and doesn't Sorry. know that one of your rats is named Modigian. There we go. <laughs> Glancing toward the entrance, you notice the foyer, filled with boxes, crates, and other unidentifiable objects covered with dust sheets. You poke your head into the next room and find a kitchen and an adjacent dining room, both spotlessly maintained, though sparsely furnished. Peeking beneath the dust sheets in the entryway, you find various items of furniture and decor, as well as stacks and stacks of books. Many of them are historical texts and reference materials, some of which were written by Professor Harris himself. There's also a large number of general works of science and literature, as befits any well-educated man. You place the cover back down, sensing that you will find nothing of value here. (laughs) You hate books, after all. I do. And it's not like the university sent you here to pick up his manuscripts. You turn your attention instead to the set of stairs opposite the entrance. You ascend the staircase and see two doors, one to either side of you. The door to your left is slightly ajar and no doubt leads to the bedroom. By a process of elimination, the door to your right must lead to the study. No bathroom's in this house. (laughs) It seems to be locked, and your earlier search of the house did not yield a key. With enough time, you might be able to get the door open, but it would probably be unwise to spend too long trying, since Amelia, or one of those close to her, may return soon. You wish to enter the bedroom, attempt a locksmith role for the study, or... Ooh, I'll let you know this, because if you were playing it as you're intended to, as a solo adventure, you'd be able to read this. Uh, You are allowed to push... The locksmith role,
1: mm. if
0: you wish. Obviously, there will be dire locksmith consequences if you time. fail twice. Yeah?
1: Yeah, 50%, so. Oh, well then. That's an 18.
0: No! Oh, damn, no need to push. Wonderful. I am
1: good with locks. This is why they send me here, really.
0: <laughs> the university is well aware of your criminal past.
1: Hopefully not.
0: You reach into your pocket and produce the bobby pin that you carry on you for just such an occasion. For some reason, you did not use this bobby pin to escape the jail earlier.
1: Wanted it for later lockpickings. There was a handy paperclip. Paper My training says always use whatever you find in the surrounding area you first. got a MacGyver, Bobby pin for later.
0: That makes sense. This is, uh, <laughs> this is like Elder Scrolls logic where you break lockpicks just as you go, so you <laughs> yeah. always carry a big old stack of them. Okay, well, you insert the bobby pin into the lock and fumble with it for a few minutes. I it's- don't fumble. Uh, you do, I'm sorry. It sticks and strains, and for several terrible seconds you fear that it will break in the lock. And then the tumblers give, and the door clicks open. Ah, <gasps> big sigh of You push your way into the small study and find the room, much as you expected. The door opens across from a window, which lets in the pale greenish light of the mist. This illuminates the room, which is adorned primarily with mostly empty bookcases. There are also several glass display cases throughout the room, but these are similarly empty. At the far end of the room, just beneath the window, is a desk, still littered with the professor's blood-soaked papers. Oh. So
1: <laughs> Sorry. That was a big revelation.
0: Well, we learned here that this is where she found him with the gun still in his mouth. That makes so.
1: sense, yeah.
0: Searching through the desk drawers, you find stacks of notes and various personal items. Buried in the bottom drawer, you find an impossibly old scrap of papyrus pressed into a glass frame. All across the ancient document are strange and unusual scrolls. As you pick it up to inspect it, you notice a sheet of paper lightly attached to the back of the frame, bearing the same scrolls as the papyrus but with annotations in its margins. Presumably, this is a translation of the papyrus's text. As you read it over, you marvel at the impossibility I'm of its rush.
1: content.
0: <laughs> well, but you are also a professor. That's true. And you're marveling at the impossibility of the contents of this paper the papyrus purports to be written the papyrus purports <laughs> to be written by a priest papyrus priest from an unknown city by the name of ilanek <gasps> in this account the priest records observations of an odd and ugly race of beings who once lived upon a lake in the forgotten land of manar the document goes into great detail about the fire rituals of these strange creatures and speaks of the haunting dances they would perform in the light of the flames beneath the gibbous moon, and always under the watchful gaze of a sea-green stone idol, chiseled in the likeness of a great lizard. Hmm. The priest's writings go on to mention rituals used to ward off the influence of that detestable creature, rituals performed by humans. The text for the ritual in the annotation is untranslated, and simply rendered in standard characters so that it reads, Yha-ya-nog-nglui-a-bokrug. The strange phrase sticks in your mind. Nice.
1: Useful for later.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, just remember that.
1: Wait, do I have to write it down? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: You pause for a moment to consider the implications. You carefully detach the translation, fold it up, and put it in your pocket as evidence before exiting the study. You have learned a Ritual Chant. Note it on your investigator sheet as Ritual Chant, Entry 235.
1: Shit, sure, that's a lot of entries. Mm-hmm. Have I missed the, the rest of the 234
0: entries? Uh, we skip around, you know, like in a Choose Your Own Adventure book. It's not chronological. Okay. Uh,
1: well, I thought that was like the Ritual Number <laughs> 235.
0: Oh my god, there are 700 potential rituals. You've learned the worst one, honestly. Just the most boring. Uh, have you got that ritual chant entry 235? Yeah. Brilliant. When prompted, you may choose to use it.
1: Oh, that's uh, exciting.
0: Yeah. So now you're exiting the study.
1: Can't wait to have to spend the rest of my life on stealth again.
0: Right. You turn around. I, I want to know how many times you can end up in that cell in one playthrough. <laughs> right. You turn around and leave the door closed behind you. Looking down the stairs, you realize that you're not alone. Oh no. Dominating the entryway is Joshua, red-faced and furious. He has a gun in his right hand, which he quickly aims in your direction. You have just a second to hit the ground before he pulls the trigger. Perhaps your reflexes are quick enough.
1: Is it dodge time? Yep, roll dodge please. Come on. That's
0: a 34. You succeed. That's wonderful news. You throw yourself to the floor with all haste, trying to get out of the line of fire. You hear the loud sound of the gunshot as a bullet embeds itself in the wall behind you. You hear a squeal as Amelia comes running after Joshua, begging him to stop shooting and put the gun away. He curses and shoves her aside, but he does holster his weapon. He rushes past her and up the stairs, just as you manage to stumble to your feet. He comes at you, swinging his fist. It's not ideal, but at least with the gun put away, you have a fighting chance. Oh man. We're all fighting brawl.
1: Alright. Let's see what happens now. Okay. 34 out of 45. Awesome. I'm punching right in the, right in the
0: stomach. Right in the schnoz. The schnoz. Let's see where you punch him actually. As Joshua towers over you, fists raised in rage, an idea crosses your mind. You pull both of your feet up and drive them into his chest. You kick him back with all your might, sending him tumbling down the stairs. You hear several thumps and thuds as Joshua rolls down the steps. When he reaches the bottom, he lays there, sprawled out and clearly injured. His groans betray his semi-conscious state, and you walk over to him confidently. With one final kick, you send him over (laughs) the edge into unconsciousness.
1: Wow, I, I would not have done that, but it's good to know Dang, I don't have a choice. E.
0: Yeah, Amelia is mortified at the sight. She runs out into the street, fleeing the scene. You quickly search Joshua's pockets, gotta loot the corpse, and find his wallet, which includes his identification with an address. A search, oh, right. yeah, right. A search of his other pocket reveals a house key. So, Skyrim rules. You now own his house. Nice. Several options are immediately apparent. You can continue searching the house, leave in pursuit of Amelia, or make your way to Joshua's home.
1: Now, what I have on me, does that count as me having retrieved his research for my... work?
0: That's a really great question. Because I question. searched the
1: study. That's all, that's all I got from the study. The research not going to be anywhere else.
0: Okay, so what you're saying is you don't want to continue searching the home.
1: Wait, didn't Amelia...?
0: Amelia has fled into the night, presumably to get the cops, so... <laughs> I wouldn't advise sticking around in her house, particularly now that you can be charged with, uh, you know, assault and grievous bodily harm. I'll
1: pursue Amelia then.
0: Yeah, the other option is to just go to Joshua's house, apparently.
1: Why would I go to Joshua's <laughs> I house? I really maybe don't he know. Has, Maybe he has <laughs> stolen the rest of the work. Seems like the kind of the guy that would do that
0: maybe yeah
1: maybe i'll go to joshua's house It seems yeah. like the wild card
0: that does kind of seem like a i wild card. want to pick more logs yeah okay yeah so you're happy to let leave this uh witness oh, living i have his
1: keys i mean killing him is not an option so
0: no no i mean amelia maybe you get to kill her
1: i guess so but like she did save my life
0: i guess she did okay all right to joshua's house then yeah You make your way through Esbury's streets, confirming your whereabouts every so often by approaching a building to check the address against the location you're searching for. Um, I guess that's how life was before Google Maps. Brutal. Mm. (laughs) After some time, you arrive at Joshua's house. You insert the key in the lock and open the door into a small living area. Glancing around, you see a compact living room and kitchen. There are two doors at opposite ends of the common area. The door to your left is wide open, and you can see a set of stairs leading down. The door to your right is closed. You assume it leads to the bedroom. Again, no bathroom in this house. Uh, Do you want to head down the stairs or into the bedroom?
1: Honestly, I don't want to give him the wrong idea. Probably go downstairs.
0: You don't want him to show up and you're just lying on his bed.
1: (laughs) Winking uncontrollably.
0: (laughs) All right, into the basement then. You cautiously descend the stairs which creak beneath your feet. When you reach the bottom, you find yourself in a dank and dusty basement, illuminated by a single dim and flickering bulb that dangles precariously from the ceiling. The room smells faintly of cigar smoke. You notice an old table across from you, on which sits a strange collection of items, a pair of cracked clay cylinders, a gemstone-studded altar with curious scrawls, a stack of papers, and an unnatural-looking idol of sea-green stone fashioned in the shape of a lizard-like creature.
1: Like the scroll head! Just like the scroll's head!
0: Behind the table is a still and other bootlegging equipment. You might consider looking over the items you found here, or you could simply leave the basement alone.
1: Oh, I can't possibly not check the items.
0: Right? <laughs> what kind of game do they think we're playing here?
1: I just hope they don't ask me to appraise anything, because that's a skill I'd
0: You know what? It's understandable. You stand over the table of curious artifacts, confident that they have something to do with the strange events in Esbury. You decide it's best to look them over and glean what information you can from them. You begin by leafing through the stack of notes. You realise they contain some of the same characters that are written on some of the ancient items. You may be able to use these notes to assist in any translation attempts you wish to make. Mm Mm-hmm. There is also an empty sack on the table that was used to bring these relics here. You're free to load them back up and take them with you. After examining each item, it will be added to your inventory, and you will be redirected back to this entry or given the option to proceed as appropriate. You should not select any option more than once. When you're ready, feel free to leave. So a rare opportunity to actually take all the options.
1: I guess there's no way for them to be counting how many I've taken.
0: No. It doesn't tell you, like, after three, Joshua yeah. kicks the door down.
1: Let's do it.
0: Right? Okay, um, do you want to take them in any particular order or yes. shall I just... Okay, what are you starting with?
1: Uh, what are my options?
0: Journal, clay cylinders, gemstone altar, uh, idol. Or the bedroom. Journals first. Looking through the book, you become deeply engrossed and spend the next few hours in <sighs> study. You are getting cosy in Joshua's basement. Let's hope he was severely injured.
1: I was hoping to just grab him, man. (laughs) Right?
0: The time spent yields valuable information. Professor Harris made several trips to India starting about 12 years ago. Yeah, I think Joshua did indeed steal it. And now here you are, studying it in his basement. So convenient. During these visits, he went to multiple sites to make observations and recover artifacts. His longest and most profitable trip appears to have been ten years ago, during an excursion to Sarnath, India, where he writes about recovering, quote-unquote, several items from an active Buddhist shrine. Mm. Apparently, Professor Harris had some regrets about this theft, but he couldn't Mm. resist having the artifacts for his personal collection. The descriptions of the items he came across in Sarnath match some of the items at the estate sale last night. The one which you didn't attend. The clay sil- Oh, so presumably Joshua just bought them. Oh. Or stole them from whoever did.
1: Yeah, but also, I shouldn't have
0: known this. (laughs) Fun
1: assumption to make.
0: I know, right? The clay cylinders, the gemstone-encrusted altar, and the lizard-like idol are all described in detail in the entries related to his trip to Sarnath. These same items then appear throughout the rest of his journal. He'd clearly been studying these items over the past decade and developed something of a fixation with them. It was the idol that initially caught Harris's eye, and according to him, the depiction of the great and grotesque water lizard matched no description of any known Hindu deity. Hoping to find clues to the idol's identity, Harris set about trying to translate the mysterious script on the cylinders on the altar. In doing so, he met with significant difficulty, as the text was only barely recognizable as an archaic dialect of a pre-Sanskrit language. The process was slow and painstaking until about a year ago. At this time, Professor Harris writes of having a strange and enlightening dream. He reports walking in the ancient world. Whence these items originated, a grand city of marble walls and onyx streets, of bronze gates and marvelous palaces and gardens, He writes of visiting the 17 tower temples of this ancient city and meeting the bearded gods who dwelled there sat upon their ivory thrones. Harris calls this strange place Sarnath, despite the sheer impossibility of this. He claims that among the temples he learned the secrets of the ancient writing. His next entry goes on to describe the odd clay cylinders as the brick cylinders of Kadatheron, though he hadn't yet identified the other objects. The next few pages have been torn from the journal. The entries resume with more mundane matters, though there are still references to the artefacts from time to time. The more recent entries in the journal speak of Harris's daily studies and living with Amelia. It's clear that he cares about her deeply from the way he writes about her, but he laments that his studies keep him from spending the time with her that he would like. Instead, he lavished her with gifts and money which she was all too happy to accept. He notes that Amelia had never been happier despite the distance between them. The last entry to catch your eye is dated a little over a week ago. Apparently, the pages torn from his journal went missing only recently. Professor Harris expresses deep concern at this, as there were no signs of forced entry to his study, and only he and Amelia had access to it, though he was sure he hadn't removed them from the journal himself. You finish your reading by glossing over the last week of the professor's life, which is rather uneventful and peaceful beyond his continued obsession with the artifacts, and his occasional worries about Amelia.
1: Mmm, Amelia doing a ritual
0: seems like she might be complicit so you uh once again after your hours of study are standing over the table of curious artifacts (laughs) what would you like to investigate next you have the clay cylinders the gemstone altar the idol of green stone or the bedroom upstairs
1: cylinders and also have a prediction Mm mm-hmm that the missing pages might be in Joshua's bedroom.
0: <gasps> Under his pillow, covered in lipstick marks. Exactly. It's possible. And,
1: and spare underwear. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you turn the hardened clay cylinders over in your hands, your eyes falling on the large cracks running through both items. Despite this damage, their solid construction has led to the cylinder's survival throughout the ages. The next most obvious quality is the strange writing that is plastered along the side of each cylinder. It's quite remarkable in that it doesn't resemble any language known to you. Using the notes on the table, mm. you attempt to translate it. Well, Archaeology for me.
1: I can do that. but a good 70%. 18.
0: Nice. That is almost
1: an extreme success.
0: Uh, I don't think extremes do much for you, to be honest.
1: That's okay, I just wanted to say. Alright. Okay, Archaeology ticked.
0: You turn the hardened clay cylinders over in your hand and squint to make out the tiny script pressed into their sides. Consulting the notes stacked beside you, you begin to work out a rough translation. The cylinders tell the story of the lake-mist green beings of Ib, with their bulging eyes, pouting, flabby lips, curious ears, and voiceless mouths. It speaks of the origins of these strange beings, how they descended one night from the moon in a mist, and gave praise to the chiselled sea stone idol of Bokrug beneath the gibbous moon. It goes on to describe their strange city of stone and their ritual destruction of precious metals to appease this detestable water lizard. The tale is perplexing and impossible, but, if true, it is rather frightening. You recall the green mist outside and note with alarm that the moon is gibbous tonight, as you place the clay cylinders in the sack, you glance over at the sea-green idol nearby and are further chilled by what this might portend. Increase your Cthulhu Mythos skill by two points.
1: Oh, don't mind if I do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Two whole points?
0: There is no corresponding sanity loss, apparently. At least it doesn't detail it. I don't know, is sanity loss always a direct consequence of increasing Mythos?
1: No, just max sanity loss.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah.
1: But I, I would have expected to have to make a sanity roll after reading those terms and stuff.
0: Apparently you are unshaken. Unless I
1: don't believe it, in which case I don't.
0: Mm, well, you are chilled by what this portends, allegedly, so hmm. I don't know what to say. they're playing a
1: Maybe pretty I, light... I'm chilled by the fact that people here seem to believe it and doing weird things.
0: Mm, yeah, that's <laughs> fair, actually. Yeah, Joshua is clearly a very weird guy. Yeah so uh you have obviously spent hours reading the journals you've now spent an unknown amount of time translating these clay cylinders uh how many more days would you like to spend in the basement do you want to examine the altar or the idol altar first okay
1: this doesn't count for time right no <laughs> nothing happens not... i
0: mean there's no timekeeping mechanics no, exactly, so i can't, so can't just be like haha, you're under arrest we have to have to wait let's yeah, see it's great you examine the extraordinary altar The most readily apparent features beyond its size are the many gemstones set into its surface. They are of a greenish-yellow colour and shine even in the half-light of the room. You also notice strange lettering written in broad strokes along the object's sides. The symbols are smeared and sloppily done, suggesting that they were written with some haste. What you had originally taken for paint is, upon closer examination, dried blood. Blood. While you cannot be certain it would appear that this item has been involved in some tragedy <laughs> to put it mildly all right like, you can't be certain But this strikes you as a little odd using the notes on the table you may be able to piece together a translation of the text written in blood roll archaeology again please
1: all right let's see what happens Twenty-six? No problems here, I'm archaeologist.
0: Heck, yeah. Yeah. Love me a successful archaeology role. Big fan. Well, you fix your eyes first on the strange altar and then on the stack of notes. Riffling through them, you're able to piece together the characters written in dried blood on the altar's side. Bokrug brings doom to Sarnath. As you look over the altar, you also notice smaller letters, this time written in ink, Hidden just beneath the larger bloody characters. The smaller text appears to be some sort of chant. Ya Ya Nog nglui a bokrak. The words stick in your mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Another one.
0: Uh I'm pretty sure that's exactly the same chant. No. Yes, it is, in fact. As you begin stuffing the religious object into your sack, You (laughs) know... not that. You note a similar script on the other side of the altar, written in fresh blood. Most of the characters are the same, and you once again consult the notes to finish the translation. You decode the missing word to find the text now reads, Bokrug brings doom to Esbury." Somewhat unnerved, you finish shoving the altar into your bag. How small is this altar? It fits in your sack, apparently. <laughs> Knowing that it's evidence of some sort of cult practice or deranged religious belief, the thought does not sit well with you. You have learned the same ritual chant again. Aww. You're too good at this game. That's <laughs> sad. You were hoping for a different one?
1: Yeah, obviously.
0: hmm One of the other
1: 234.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, the only thing that remains to examine here is the idol. Would you like to?
1: Let's do it, and then I want to go to the bedroom.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So, you look the idol over. It's made of a sea-green stone and chiseled in the likeness of a water lizard of some sort. The sculpture is grotesque and hideous, and the depiction of the lizard-like creature unnerves you. Still, the work is extremely well-preserved and unquestionably ancient. You feel uncomfortable staring at the alien-looking thing for too long, so you stow it away in the sack, out of sight. Mm. That's it for the idol. so I assume you're now heading upstairs to the bedroom.
1: Let's do it.
0: You open the door to find a bedroom, much as you'd expected. The room clearly belongs to a bachelor, as the only feminine object is a set of lace sleepwear lying across the bed. Making some gendered assumptions there, my
1: friends.
0: (sighs) You look to a nearby nightstand and find several framed photographs of Joshua and Amelia, so you assume the clothes are hers. Peeking out of a drawer in the nightstand is an open box of bullets, as well as several bottles of bootleg whiskey. You scan the rest of the room. The only other object of note is a dresser. You search it and find it to be full of men's clothing, the sort that Joshua would wear. However, as you are riffling through his things, you find an envelope. Turning it over, you see it's unsealed, and judging by the crumpled state of it, the letter inside has been read over several times. You pull out the letter and begin reading. It appears to be a correspondence between Joshua and Dr. Weber, based out of Arkham. Weber is, apparently, a psychotherapist that Joshua sees on a monthly basis, According to the letter, the past few months have been quite difficult for Joshua. In addition to his criminal activities and his relationship with Amelia, he has been troubled by strange dreams, which Dr. Weber labelled as obsessive delusions. Mm-hmm. Joshua has a fixation with a particular dream of a beautiful city in a far-off land. He describes the city as made of marble, and says that sometimes he wakes up crying because he has to leave it behind in his dreams. He also reports seeing a frightening lizard thing in the water off the shore of his stri- of this strange city. Sometimes in the night, it whispers that it knows the way to the city. Though the lizard thing scares him, he listens to the whispers. Joshua professes a deep desire to go to the city, though he doesn't know where it is or even if it's real. For his part, Dr. Weber assures Joshua that these things are completely fictitious and that he must find a way to return to reality and leave the delusions behind. You return the letter to its envelope, then slip everything back where you found it, thinking about how this affects the course of events here in Esbury. Mm. Silently you return to the main area of the house. You may now investigate the basement, or leave the house. Do you want to already
1: investigate the basement?
0: <laughs> yes, indeed you have.
1: Wait, bedroom, right?
0: That oh was no, the I did the
1: bedroom. All right.
0: hmm That's it for the house, apparently. So okay, you're I guess not we're allowed living. to steal any snacks. You are leaving. I did it now,
1: everything that's great. I was worried that I would just be killed by the police person just instantly,
0: yeah, this is a real swing back from uh right? <laughs> you could have just molded in that jail, but now you it seems like you have all of it,
1: uh yeah, and I haven't had to spend in leg yet, so that's great.
0: thank goodness, yeah. apart from that one uh,
1: yeah, I mean yeah, since then, I mean yeah.
0: You decide that you've seen enough of Joshua's house and that you have no reason to linger here. It has, after all, been eight hours.
1: (laughs) You you
0: exit the building and close the door behind you. You look out into the fog and find it thicker than you remember. You can see almost nothing. Compounding this problem is the darkness, which has completely fallen while you were inside. Yes, indeed.
1: I mean, I I would have assumed it's morning by now.
0: (laughs) Right. Armed with new knowledge, you feel prepared to confront what lies ahead of you. You take a few steps out into the street and are shocked to find the town's cobblestones waterlogged the lake's water level is rising and esbury is beginning to flood given earlier events you suspect this may not be entirely natural even if it is the rapidly rising water is a serious threat in itself you feel a twinge of fear but overcome it and spur yourself into action you know you must escape the flood and that you must act quickly if you know where to meet with Banyu, oh now is the time you may choose to do so. Who
1: is Banyu?
0: I don't know, perhaps you could try your ritual chant twice and see if he appears. Or she, I don't know who Banyu is. Um, your options are to search for higher ground and hope to avoid the rising waters, try to outrun the rising tide, I don't strictly know how those two are different, or well, you can't meet her with Banyu. Sorry. So you, you either run or you search.
1: Who's Banyu? I know, right? I guess I search, right? Who's
0: ah, Uh, Sure.
1: Because, like, searching for a higher ground to be safe seems like a smart thing. Outrunning, like, forever?
0: Just in circles. Is this weird? Yeah, a bit weird. Uh,
1: Obviously, possibly a better better skill roll, but...
0: Yeah, I'm honestly not sure what they mean by it, though. Like, what yeah. would be the point of running if you weren't heading to higher ground? Yeah. Very strange. Maybe searching for higher ground means that you just, like, sit still in the middle of the street <laughs> for half an hour, just Jump scanning the horizon. <laughs> Let's find out what it does mean. You try to find somewhere you can wait out the flood. Somewhere at a high elevation that won't be consumed by the rising water. Or maybe it's a case of, like, running from the town or finding somewhere in town. I see. Thanks to the darkness and the fog, you won't be able to scan the town's skyline to look for such a place and will, instead, have to rely on your memory. The only place close that comes to mind would be the nearby church. If the worst should happen, you could (laughs) climb up into the bell tower to wait out the flood. Let's not forget, that's where you last saw Amelia. Yep. You rush toward the house of worship. You see its solid grey stonework peeking out at you from the fog, providing a sense of comfort and security. You push open the church's large double doors and slip inside, quickly closing the doors behind you, in hopes they will at least buy you some time before the water seeps in. You rush to the stairs leading up to the bell tower and climb them as quickly as you can. You soon find yourself looking out over Esbury. The town itself is shrouded in mist, but from this high vantage point, you can see over the fog to the lake beyond. Large undulating waves break the surface of the normally placid waters, and the stars and gibbous moon are brightly reflected from the dark backdrop. Finding yourself in relative safety, you finally have a moment to pause and reflect. You take a deep breath, bowing your head in thought, or perhaps prayer. Your mind is in a whirl, but eventually, a single thought breaks through, determining your course of action. If you know a ritual chant, now is the time you may choose to use it.
1: I can use my chant?
0: Mm-hmm. I assume you would like to?
1: Uh, it's probably a bad idea, but let's do it.
0: The words of the ritual chant force themselves into your mind. You stare blankly at the reflection of the moon and stars upon the rising waters of the lake. Your lips move as if controlled by someone else, automatically uttering the strange syllables of the unfamiliar words. You recite the words in a slow, monotonous voice, speaking the phrase ten times before you stop. You feel strangely tired after this, so you sit on the belfry's stones and look out over the town. The water has risen so high, over the tops of many of the buildings in Esbury, and you're positioned on one of the few landmarks still above water. You're certain that much damage has been done here. At least the water is still and placid now, apparently returned to its normally peaceful state. The unnatural green mist seems to be dissipating as well. It still lingers here and there, but by the light of the gibbous moon you can see the fog starting to thin out. You take a deep breath, pondering what is to come next. Now, because you have the strange idol,
1: Mm. we're going to go to
0: Entry 205.
1: Oh, I have it. Mm -hmm. This could not possibly be a bad thing.
0: Exhaustion overtakes you. You lean back, close your eyes, and drift into a deep slumber. Your sleep is disturbed by strange and horrific dreams. You see a shining city of marble, onyx, and lustrous gems. You see this magnificent city in all its splendor sitting next to a placid lake. And then, in an instant, it's gone, as the water rises up to swallow it. The lizard thing of the idol, given life and power, surges up from the water. The being eyes you with malicious sentience as the waters swell and consume you. Oh no, Mm. that was bad. You exist in this state for what feels like an eternity, drifting through the sunken ruins alongside the horrible lizard thing. It eyes you closely, scrutinizing your every motion But it never acts, merely watches you with checked malevolence As you stare into its eyes, you begin to wish it would simply consume you so you wouldn't have to be under its watchful gaze any longer
1: (laughs) Just eat me already
0: (laughs) This becomes a maddening desire, and you find yourself willingly swimming toward the thing Oh no It opens its jaws to receive you, revealing row after row of needle-like teeth Just as you are about to offer yourself to the creature you finally wake. There's an illustration here if you'd like to uh, see it.
1: Yeah, we're not? Oh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. That is quite cute. <laughs> Look at those cute. teeth.
0: Multiple eyes. Incredibly sharp teeth. Huge more. Very Lest. cute.
1: I, I didn't expect this to happen to me.
0: You find yourself dangling over the edge of the belfry, about to roll into the flooded town below and lose yourself in the waters. You quickly pull back toward the center of the platform for safety. As you do so, A glimmer within your sack catches your eye. (laughs) Stop that. You reach inside to find the source and extract the sea-green stone idol. It shimmers with a bluish-white light of angry intensity. Looking at it pains your eyes. The pantomime really is something else, (laughs) listeners. You consider throwing the damnable thing into the water below, but something stops you. A thought creeps into your mind, taking shape and driving your actions. Give me a power roll, please.
1: Oh no. 50-50.
0: Dun-dun-dun. 59.
1: <sighs> no!
0: Do you spend oh. luck or do you accept your failure? Oh,
1: I can spend 9 luck. Like, yeah, not a problem.
0: This might be a good time. I don't know anything minus you don't know about.
1: 9 is certified.
0: Mm-hmm. Then we shall consider that a success. Mm. And so... Got
1: forgot about luckness.
0: Your mind clouds over once more, as if dreaming again. You can see the strange city in your mind's eye. Your vision passes over precious metals, changing hands between exotic merchants. Disks of silver and gold move from buyer to seller before disappearing into bags and boxes. You glide formlessly over the city and out into the surrounding lands, where you see the citizens marching in lines, carrying precious metals to the city from the mines. You float above it all. And look out to the lake where you sense brooding hatred and disgust. Your awareness snaps back to reality as you stare into the idol's light. You make the connection between those precious metals and this grotesque lizard thing's disdain. You don't have a gold bar, do you? What? Hmm.
1: Why did I skip? <laughs>
0: Uh, which means that you can't do that, so instead we go to entry 234.
1: How does this keep happening? (laughs) Who is Belcher?
0: Bayou. Wait, no. Banyu? (laughs) Banyu. Anyway. (laughs) Old Belcher Banyu. I I knew him well. A thought takes shape in your mind and clarity takes hold, but the thought is not your own. You see visions of the strange reptilian beast, that detestable water lizard. You I mean- I think that makes it Amphibious, not reptilian. (laughs) You (laughs) stare into its eyes, hypnotized as it hisses at you, beckoning you forward. You heed its call. Actually, I'm a fool. Aren't there those Galapagos (laughs) iguanas which swim? Pretty sure they're still reptiles. So, I don't know anything. Your feet move you forward, carrying you over the edge of the belfry and into the water below. You don't thrash about. You don't swim. Or struggle, or resist, you simply sink, welcomed into the Risen Water's embrace. You have died, led to your demise by the will of Bokrug, the Great Water Lizard. The Great Old One has ensured that doom has come to the little lakeside town. There are no survivors. Eventually, the idol will be found, and the process will begin again. But this is of no concern to you. Your visit to Esbury is over. Oh, I, I feel, wish I'd
1: found that golden bar.
0: Right? That's a little brutal considering you succeeded in your luck roll and you knew the chant. To be fair, maybe the chant is what summoned him.
1: <laughs> well, maybe I shouldn't have done the chant.
0: I'm super curious now.
1: Should do we... I don't know. I don't even know where things would have changed.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing um, there must be something you can do at the beginning not to get arrested. But I don't know, you've uh, got to go talk to, you've got to go see Professor Harris's house and it seems like getting arrested follows pretty naturally from that. Maybe
1: talking to Amelia would have given, taken me a different way, but like, why would she?
0: If you chased her down, yeah, maybe. Maybe if you'd gone to the uh, auction, you would have gotten to know this uh, Anu <laughs> character.
1: Yeah, maybe. Got my gold bar.
0: Maybe you could have bought a gold bar. That <laughs> could have made I the difference.
1: Uh,
0: I guess you've got to... Appease this uh, creature with the destruction of precious metals in order to survive.
1: I guess so, but I feel like it, like I it passed so many checks there, right? And just didn't.
0: Pretty savage. Yeah. I think I'm personally most curious about what happens if you don't use the charm.
1: Yeah. Because you're
0: baited into it, you're given it twice, and then it's like, yeah, you're at the top of a belfry. What are you gonna do? You may as well use that charm. But what if you don't? Does yeah. it not? You know, that come out and take you over.
1: Maybe it is. Maybe I just like used it because I was excited because I had it. Eventually. I would have done the same. Yeah. Um, um, should Should we move into like beyond the madness territory and like?
0: Well, the adventure is over. So let's consider this a little a bonus two person beyond the madness, which uh, goes on the main feed. So you don't have to be a patron for this one.
1: It didn't take too long, did it?
0: No. I wonder if the. <laughs> I, I
1: don't
0: can't know. imagine
1: I could have done many more things. Surely.
0: Well, (laughs) I can tell you that on this page alone, there is another way you could have died. Oh, wow. Um, There's definitely other stuff going on. There's at least one way to win based on the next page, uh, which, spoiler alert, does involve having a small gold bar. Oh. Basically, if you bash the statue in (laughs) with a gold ingot, uh, then you win.
1: Okay, well... Do
0: you want to hear what would have happened if you'd had gold? And what would have happened if you'd not used the charm? Let's
1: do it, unless we want to play it again.
0: Uh, <laughs> are no you interested in playing it again?
1: I mean, yeah, but we should probably not.
0: I mean, not right now. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. <laughs> you can probably tell by the length of the episode that we're not going to play all over again. Yeah. I feel like there'd be a lot of repetition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you want to know what would have happened if you hadn't used a chant or do you want to save it for another playthrough?
1: No, I think we should tell the listeners. They're probably itching to know. Or maybe they're not and they want to play it again themselves, in which case they can stop listening now.
0: Yeah, I'd advise if you don't want any more spoilers. I mean, if you were planning on playing a thing, you probably didn't want to listen to us yes. play through it. But um, by all means, go out and, and grab your own copy of Alone Against the Tide. There are definitely other options available. And now you know uh, one surefire way to your yeah. <laughs> Whoop.
1: Yeah. I feel like I always do really terribly in *Is uh, Alone Against Stories. Three so far, they've gone terribly wrong.
0: Well, they are hard. Yeah, really hard. I don't know how many successful endings to the branches there are, but yeah. uh, they're hard to get to, I think. Yeah. Um, apparently, even if you'd won by having a gold bar, the town would have been flooded with very few survivors. So that's okay. great.
1: Well, as long as people die.
0: Yeah. I think basically the ritual still, you know, obviously it's been happening already. The town is claimed by flood, but at least you survive. You wake up as you're pulled onto a boat and you take solace in the fact that the foul lizard-like creature has been put to rest because you smashed its idol. Nice. So you can at least end the cycle. Um... Okay, so here's what would have happened if you had resolved not to use the charm to the top of the belfry. You resolve to simply wait it out. You have a wonderful view of the spectacle that unfolds. The water of the lake, <laughs> the waters of the lake, rise continually and rapidly. It's now to a point where it must be over some of the buildings in Esbury, though you cannot see into the thick fog below. You wonder at the loss of life and property. You don't seem that fuss. You're probably like, oh, ah, Joshua, screw him. And
1: then I drown. <laughs>
0: And Officer Powell as well. You've met nobody nice in this town except that guy on the boat who presumably is just on his boat. He's fine. fine. So who cares? Though the lake continues to rise, seemingly without source and without end, this is the least of the oddities that transpire. Through the mist, you spot scattered flames illuminating sections of the town. Mm -hmm. You find this especially strange, since there seems to be no discernible pattern or reason for it, especially in a place that must be half submerged by now. Perhaps the fires are on the roofs of the taller buildings, but what could the purpose of that possibly be? I don't know. Yeah, not I like you read they, a ritual about it. This is
1: uh, like only for people who don't have the ritual.
0: That's true, Well, that you could have chosen not, I could to, use have chosen it. not to use it. It's true. All the while, there is the screaming, the howls of nice. people afraid of the water, the desperate cries of the lost, the startled shouts of those woken from sleep to find themselves in grave danger and the more primal screams of abject terror. You glance back over the lake itself, wanting to turn your attention away from the horrible suffering in town. You see the water rising in great rippling waves, all emanating from a single central point. You try to find their exact origin. Bizarrely, the spot seems to correspond with the moon's reflection. You are unable to make out any details of what might be causing the waves, though. You absent mindedly direct your gaze towards the gibbous moon hanging overhead and note yet another baffling sight. Great clouds of mist seem to be rising toward the moon from the ground, extending in long, wispy columns up into the heavens, or perhaps streaming down from above. You're uncertain of which, or if it even matters. You do not think it does. Looking back toward the town, you find it all beneath the water now, save for your little island. The waves crest a mere 12 inches, brackets, 30 centimeters, below your feet, and you know there is no escaping the rising tide. Resigned as you are to your fate, you still aren't prepared for what happens next. The waves stop suddenly. Everything falls silent and still. Then, a long, lizard-like head rises from the water. It is covered in scales, coloured like the sea. The detestable lizard-thing's mouth opens, revealing rows of needle-like teeth as it emits a hissing sound that pierces the night and your very soul, and then its eyes open. Orbs of pure malevolence fix themselves on you. It watches you for a second, a minute, an eternity. And then the stones beneath your feet shift, and you tumble into the water. You know it's the lizard thing's doing, though it hasn't moved since its head broke free of the lake. As you sink beneath the surface, you look upward, and see the horrible lizard thing darting toward you in the light of the Gibbous Moon. You pray you'll drown before it takes you, but fate is not so kind. Your demise serves only to feed the horrible, detestable water lizard that is Bokrug, Great Old One, and doom of the cities of Sarnath and Esbury.
1: That sounds slightly more unpleasant then.
0: Slightly worse, right? Mm. Arguably. I
1: just sank in.
0: I don't know, you spent an eternity. In the waters and the other one perceptually. And yeah, in this one cool. you spend an eternity being stared at before you get tipped into the water. Uh, so really it's just about whether you prefer to be in the water or not. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You have died. Thank you for playing, I and mean, we hope you've enjoyed this adventure. Your visit to esbury <laughs> is over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like that.
0: It's almost like a like We're a tourist pamphlet. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Come again.
1: <laughs>
0: well, what did you think of uh of esbury
1: Um very Lovecraftian, small town with um, spooky people.
0: Mm-hmm. I like how many Lovecraftian notes this adventure hits, because I'm pretty sure the Doom that <laughs> came to Sarnath is one of his short stories.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. And obviously...
1: There was like a green mist, which is very color spacey. There was the like lizard people, which kind of like deep ones. Uh, got some deep one vibe.
0: There's definitely... I scrolled past an illustration of what looked... Quite like, a, like Kind of like a cross between a deep one and our very own Frogman from the, the cover, cover of Heartless well. and Loveland.
1: It's in the cover of this story, isn't it?
0: Is it? I thought the cover was uh, Bokwok himself. Oh. Itself. Um, so yeah, you got your fish people.
1: Your uh, archaeology decipherings and manuscripts. And
0: Green Idol, very Church. Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, very Call of Cthulhu Green Idol. Yeah. Got your weird ritual, fish people, fires, moons. I'm pretty sure like mm-hmm. influence from the rays of the moon. It's a classic. The sort of thing as well. Yeah. Right?
1: It has all the, all the main things you need. Yeah. I wonder what would have happened if I had checked my bag. At the hotel? Yeah. Oh, I would have that's found a gold bar.
0: Proper cliffhanger. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you remember that you, you, put, you put your trusty gold ingots in there. Uh, that's a really good question. I think I can find out. Please. I can search this happily because we have the uh, PDF version, thankfully. A cursory inspection of your personal belongings reveals that nothing is amiss. All of your possessions are just as you left them. While you're here looking things over, you can take this opportunity to more closely scrutinise items bought at the estate sale. Alternatively, you may leave and go explore elsewhere if your curiosity is satisfied. And, um,. Basically, you could have bought the journal, clay cylinders, altar, or idle.
1: That would have been very useful. But obviously, I would have had a, to have a lot of money for that, right?
0: Uh, that's a great point, actually. Does, did your pre-gen come with a fixed credit rating? Yeah. Interesting. I wonder how the uh, purchasing works.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I'd have a $50 spending level and 300 cash.
0: Huh. I mean, I guess this way you got them all for free. Which is quite convenient.
1: Yeah, I guess I I didn't have to suffer at all.
0: (laughs) And then you would have inspected them not in his basement, which honestly is an incredibly risky thing to be doing, which fortunately was not punished. I quite like. I love that there's actually lots of entries involving the estate sale. I I guess there's lots of mentions because it's all like, you ask about the estate sale, you remember the thing you bought at the estate sale, Mm. etc. Visiting it would have been entry 15. Yeah, there would have been a whole scene there with other NPCs and things. Oh, what? Um, you got a woman, the dark the dark suited men from the boat.
1: Oh, a who's man in orange. Saying? Oh, the man in orange is, is the friend the ba- Banyu. Uh,
0: it's possible, isn't it? Heck, you know what? Here he is. I think he's a monk. He's a Buddhist monk.
1: Honestly, I knew I should have gone to that sale, but, like, <laughs> it didn't seem right.
0: I find it a little bizarre that you can't secure a place for the night and then go to the sale right? after. It doesn't, it doesn't say you decide that you're too tired to go to the estate sale and you head to bed. It says, you know, you're concerned you might not have a place to sleep. Do you yeah. look for a hotel? <laughs>
1: like, if you go to the sale, do you find a hotel afterwards? or They're like, well, you sleep on the street for the night. But
0: at least you bought all these artifacts. Yeah, like, right? That's a very good question.
1: That's not right.
0: Yeah, if I if I had one tiny niggle, and honestly, I really like the way these um, solo adventures are put together. I think they're very good. Uh, Choose your adventures, yeah, choose your own path adventure. But the um, the way some entries, the way they forewarn you, like you will be able to come back to this, is really nice. But there's moments when you would expect that to be possible, and and it just doesn't happen.
1: Like how you couldn't get a hotel and then go to the auction. But you could spend 17 hours in this guy's basement (laughs) looking
0: and stuff. (laughs) At a super crucial juncture, because not only have you escaped the jail, which, let's face it, that Powell guy would have discovered, but also you left a witness just running around. Why doesn't she run to the cop immediately?
1: The only way that I made it even close to winning is because I stopped playing my character halfway through in a set of metagaming.
0: You started murder hoboing it, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, like you, you kicked your aggressor. And then, well, looting him was part of it, that you didn't have a choice, but then you just went and looted his house.
1: Yeah, I think that if I had kind of assumed that I can start being ridiculous and everything would be fine, I would have like, yeah, I think there's a chance I would have won. Yeah.
0: I don't think you're intended to win them, honestly. No, I think if you want to win them, the thing to do is meta game like crazy because even then you only have a slim chance.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's just you annoying when you reach the end and they mention, like, if you have this NPC friend, know, this right? thing. That, and I'm like... You know, because if I had been in a scene and I just failed it and I didn't get it, I'd be like, okay, I understand. Like, you know? Like I failed to charm this monk guy, so he's not on my side. Right. Or like I didn't buy the ingot, it was there. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Thanks, Rad. That'd be <laughs> fine. But like, you know, you're like at the crucial moment and like <laughs>
0: I'm sorry, I'm chuckling because uh, probably the rat noises aren't even going to show up in the recording. Uh, so we just occasionally address them and people aren't going to know why. <laughs> they're not even squeaks and things. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, rats are actually quite silent creatures. And you mostly hear it with them when they're drinking, which they do quite loudly. Clink, clink, mm-hmm. clink. Those little bottles.
1: So yeah, I think that I find that frustrating when you mm. haven't even like encountered the thing.
0: Yeah, it's the worst feeling, I
1: think.
0: Yeah. I Yeah, and it's... Again, like if you had actively chosen like, ah, state sale sounds boring, I'm going to go do something else. Yeah,
1: exactly. But you
0: didn't, you were like, I'm going to, this seems like the cautious path, I'm going to come back to it. And then yeah. you're not allowed. And it's no, kind no, of no, mean. No,
1: no.
0: I guess that's one of those moments where um, if you're that kind of player, uh, you would have like kept your finger between the pages and you'd go back and entry and be like, no, 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 I don't want to go to the state sale actually. Yeah. But it all sucks.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But yeah, that definitely it puts you on edge, right? Because then you're like, well, I would like to check my belongings, but not if that means that (laughs) I'm gonna lose the whole day and it turns out all the evidence is gone or whatever.
1: Yeah, that's the thing.
0: Yeah.
1: But here we go.
0: Yeah. I like him, but yeah, that would be my (laughs) my small bit of feedback would be that you end up paranoid for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Because it like the town turns against you very quickly, obviously. The cops, Joshua, but but you're turned against even sooner <laughs> uh, by your own choice to go to a hotel and then instantly fall asleep
1: yeah super weird
0: it's quite bizarre and to be fair um I feel like you did a really good job of solving the whole dang mystery in this one
1: not bad compared to like when we played Alone Against Flames which we won't talk about
0: we won't because I don't know which episode's going out sooner but people might not have listened to that one yet
1: or oh, people might choose to listen to one not the other.
0: exactly uh but yeah, man, like we both, uh, I think we both played through it.
1: We didn't achieve, we have no idea what was happening.
0: No, yeah. it was just like, you're dead now and you've discovered nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, great. Yeah. It was all things like, Don- no, 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 I, without giving any spoilers, um, it it was all of the things that were like. If you have this thing, then do this. Yeah, were really. incredibly obscure. We were like, what are you talking I mean, about? Like there's what just no way.
1: Here, like here.
0: A bit less though, because we we you you had the ritual which talked about the destruction yeah. of precious metals. You'd run across that a couple of times. Yeah. And you specifically went through a path that involved not meeting NPCs. Yeah. Because you talked to no one on the boat and then you didn't go to the estate sale. And I'm I didn't not, have the
1: choice to, I'm not
0: blaming no on
1: you. to talk to people on the boat.
0: Uh, yeah, you did. I didn't. You could have spoken to the other passengers. No.
1: You never told me if I could.
0: You chose to talk to the um, ferryman.
1: I thought I was given three different things to ask the ferryman.
0: No. You could have spoken to like, the woman, the two shady guys in suits, or well, the ferryman. The record will show. Hopefully. Okay,
1: I must have completely misunderstood you, because what I heard is, do you want to ask the ferryman about Harry? Do you want to ask him about the policeman? Oh no! Or do you no. want to ask him about himself?
0: You're quite right, now I'm an idiot, I think you do get to ask him about stuff, it's cheap.
1: I don't remember you being like, do you want to talk to anyone else in the boat? Ah,
0: maybe I lied, maybe I lied. <laughs> yeah, it's possible you only could have spoken to them during the um, estate sale. Yeah. I don't know. Well...
1: There we go. Thank you, everyone, for joining us.
0: Yeah, (laughs) thanks for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed this little foray. Um, We'll see you next time. When the stars are right again. (laughs)